Hello, that's fucking crazy. I just recorded this, um, but I never pressed record, so here I am. Done it once through. Should be hopefully not bad. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Waste Books Appendices. I believe this is Appendix 006 or 7. Um, today I spoke with Billings visual artist and something of an entrepreneur, Tyler Murphy. Um, he has a gallery called Montana uh, Gallery and Studio, I think. It's either Montana Gallery or Montana Gallery and Studio. It's being changed to Montana Gallery. You can find their stuff at Monta montanagallery.com, I think. Or if you just Google uh, Montana Gallery and Studio Billings, Montana, it should pop up. Um, anyway, Tyler is a really sweet guy, and we talked about some philosophy him and I have been meaning to kind of have a mandate for a while and kind of sit down. He'd been reading books and listening to podcasts. And, of course, I have some training in philosophy. That's what I went and got my undergrad for. Uh, so we had some fun batting those ideas around. I don't know if you'd call it a half-baked philosophical conversation, but you might. Um, but it was fun. And, yeah, Tyler's just really cool. I've been meaning to hang out with him more, so this was kind of a good excuse um, we also talk about story night, which is something that Tyler does out of his gallery. Um, it was inspired by AA, uh, where Tyler went to a meeting and saw how honestly people were telling stories, um, and saw the value of processing that as a group and decided he wanted to start hosting, um, similar meetings. They do have wine at these meetings <laughs> where, um, people gather in his studio and, uh, just tell stories, talk about what they've been thinking about or struggling with or whatever. And it's a really intimate, sweet, um, sometimes really sad community uh, setting. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Tyler and I talk about a bunch of shit. Hopefully you enjoy it. Um, if you do, check out our website, waste-division.org. Um, again, check out Tyler's website at Montana Gallery in Billings, Montana. Um, I think it's montanagallery.com. Oh, check out our Patreon also, where you can sign up for monthly art deliveries. Uh, we just got some really dope customized stickers. They say, welcome to the Wastelands with a cool-looking girl uh, lady figure on there, drawn by Natalie Myers, who is an artist here in town. So we'll be including those in our next Patreon package. Um, if you're interested, go to patreon.com slash waste division and check out um, the subscription options uh, okay that's it enjoy this conversation that i had with tyler murphy waste 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 books <laughs> appendix okay so i'm gonna see um mm, okay so this book we're just diving in. I don't know, yeah. Or we could bullshit. Uh, we could talk about how we know each other and why and shit. That might be cool. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I will... I, I feel like I am today a little bit... Like my brain is a little fried. Mm. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, just because I've been working towards this show at the gallery for the past, like, month. And it finally... Came to it, uh, had the opening last night, and so I just 
and I just got done hosting a friend for a week and dropped him off at the airport oh. right before right before the show and you know just after talking talking having having somebody else in my life for a week mm. tires me out <laughs> I don't know how married people do it yeah man <laughs> I don't either <laughs> but. uh that's funny. So, <laughs> what was your friend? Who's your friend? Uh, my friend Daniel, who yeah. who paints. Yeah, we had a great oh. time. Uh, but you know, just I think uh, playing host for a week always tires me out. Yeah, I don't know if it tires other people out. Yeah, I think it does. Well, it's one thing to host somebody, too. It's, it's hard to also being a guest. I know yeah. that. Right. I know that he's tired too. Yeah. After. Right. Around me for, right. <laughs> for a week. Were you guys spending a lot of time together? Yeah. I mean, it basically, it's like do breakfast, lunch, dinner, mm. you know, every day together. Yeah. We get a lot of work done. Sure. Uh, Can you do this more? Oh, you want that? I want it closer? right direct. Oh, like, boy. Okay. All right. Like Jeez, this is. I know. It has to be. I don't know how they do it. I mean, I think my it, mic control is a big thing. How do you do it? Do you have like this and you sit on the table? What? Like your snowball microphone? Oh, I don't have a snowball well, thing. Well, whatever. It's it's got a stand. Yeah, but it, you set it between you. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's like. I'm sure this is gonna work better. I think it does. It's like more like a radio sound. Yeah. But you have to do this. That's the trouble. Mine it? picks up. <laughs> mine picks up quite a bit of room noise. I think. Yeah. But on my thing, I've just been kind of going by myself and uh, interviewing right. occasionally. But right, and then you can have it close, or do you? Yeah, keep when it on it's the... just me, yeah, I can have the microphone pretty close. Yeah, so. right. It took me That's a while funny. to figure that out, but like the more I looked into, it, I was like, oh, if you want a good sound, you need like a decent mic. So I got this thing so I could plug in that Sure 58. Yeah, the Zoom. Yeah, and the Zoom has both the room mic. And the condenser mic. Okay. Or the condenser mic and then the input for, like, Let's a vocal mic. T tell me a little bit more about this podcast that I'm on right yeah. now. What's, um, what, so what is it? Let's see. That's a great <laughs> question, man. Here? We're still figuring it out. So we have our main show, you could call it, which is called Waste Books. And it's like a book club podcast, and it was really scrappy for a long time. We were doing it like we th we try thought we would do it once every month, yeah. like starting out, and then it quickly became apparent that that was way harder than we thought it would be, because we're all in like different oh shit different places. Um, <laughs> this is the most amazing podcast where we're both just just barely hanging into these chairs here. <laughs> we're like this is like. Homer Simpson, like laying on the couch, like yeah, I yeah, just need yeah. a can of Duff beer, it's great. balancing on well, my it's the morning beer after belly. a show for you. Yeah, you were drinking, I bet. I, yes. Did you feel bad this morning? A little bit. Uh, Ryan and Parker and I got Denny's at midnight, so that helped. It did help. Yeah. I think just just mentally was exhausted mm. after all the after the week of hosting and after yeah the show um well yeah i mean we got coffee got a, a rectangle i'm doing good that's a breakfast rectangle 
with some sour cream and salsa. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I really like a loose thing, right? Like um, just like a couple people getting together, like having a cup of coffee or like a beer or whatever, talking about shit. Um, I'm interested in talking to like kind of anybody who's doing stuff. Okay, wait, let me backtrack. So we have the Waste Books book club. It was scrappy. We're trying to tighten things up. Um, and now I think we're pretty well on track to do that once a month. Okay. But then once a week, we're trying to do these. Did you have to kick somebody off? Like the one guy who was holding you back? No. We, <laughs> no, we just introduced this rule okay. where we could have one person who's the dumbass. Um, who actually, it oh. kind of works well. Yeah. Since it's a book club, you imagine like not every time every person reads the book. Yeah. So like some people just come up, they're like, oh, I'm just going to show up to book club and like not say that much. Right. And then just like eat the snacks or whatever. So like we, th we thought, well, we could have a dumbass for people who didn't have time because they're a shithead or whatever, which was like me oftentimes where like I wouldn't read that well or, um, but you, you, but you still come in with like a whole bunch of opinions. No, not that. We would just like punt the recording date so that yeah. we would have more time to read. And eventually yeah. it was just like, all right, we got to record like whether or not everybody's read. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Even though as a fucking book club podcast, we should probably like have a decent handle on the book as we try to talk about it. Right. Right. So we need most of us to have read and then have that many minds on it and then one person could just be asking dumb questions and you know it's kind of funny to have like or interesting or nice to have somebody uh as a stand-in for the audience like mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. maybe has yeah, read the good. book and it's just like listening in yeah where they'd be like all right what the fuck are you guys talking about like you guys were talking about aliens a second ago and now you're talking about like this guy on this like trip that he fucking from the dune, from dune, I'm trying to talk about the sandworms. There's a part where a guy trips out on this sandworm juice thing. Is this in the sadomasochist book? No, this is much different. It's a okay. sci-fi book. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we had that show. Now we're doing that, and we also have this waste books appendix thing where Cooper was like, "Hey Phil, I want to talk to you about other books I've been reading because like we take so long with this other podcast, and I'm always like." reading more so like, even cool. though we've yeah. tightened up the other podcast we're still just like hey we want this add-on to have like if two people want to have a conversation about other shit like they can and then other shit pretty quickly became like anything where like we could interview each other or people outside of the thing or not even like interview like interview is kind of like a stiff word for me yeah like i just like conversation more than anything mm -hmm. like um, the way I use podcasts, a lot of the time, it's when I'm cleaning or, um, like, working otherwise. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, like, kind of doing rote tasks and in, like, a zen mode with my physical stuff. So I have the mind space to, like, listen. And a lot of the time, um, I like to listen to, like, people talking about. Uh -huh. And not really, I mean, it's stuff that I'm interested in. But also, I think there's something about just, like, hearing people talk that feeds, like, a social yeah. need of ours. <laughs> like, since we're so busy. Like, I'm pretty sure if you compared us to, like, 
how people used to live. Oftentimes, people just spent time like hanging out, sitting around a fire or whatever, and talking. So yeah. like, talking was a regular thing. And we see plenty of people, but we don't have the chance to like unwind and like get into like a deeper like space of conversing. Mm-hmm. So even though you can't participate in a podcast by like talking, you can still participate in it by like listening and hearing other people talk. And you can you can respond in your head too, right? And you can take something that somebody says and spin it out however mm-hmm. you want as you're mm-hmm. thinking and listening and um so anyway like i just thought like well shit there's plenty of garbage out there like we could either add one more piece of garbage or like have a chance at doing something decent and like i don't know i feel like my friends and like people i know and admire and work with like um are interesting enough to try out, like, and see sure. if, yeah. if, if it's something that would be interesting. There's kind of, for me, more focus in um, talking to people who are, I don't want to say entrepreneurs, but that's kind of the mode where it's like some people who have a project yeah. and they're like working on it or have been working on it for a while um, and just talk about kind of what they do and why and um, how, right? Like their yeah. methods and um, kind of values. And then, you know, you can take it to a book club type conversation where it's like, all right, well, what have you been thinking about now or reading now or like what art have you been into now that affects yeah. how you're doing and why? And I don't know. So there's a thing about like it being a place where if other people are interested in seeing how other artists are thinking or other, like we had a pilot on, that was a Navy pilot, like a friend. Oh, cool. Um, and he's been training for that, like in his closet on a flight simulator, like through college. He did a, like for a couple of years, we'd be partying and he would go. Um, and <laughs> He'd go into the closet. His, his flight simulator <laughs> in the closet. And oh then he joined the Navy and he's like flying planes now. So Wow. I'm just kind of, that was cool for me to be like, oh, I fucking watched this guy, like, go from a closet to, like, actually flying planes. Like, that seems applicable for anybody that's working on something. And there's, like, nice stuff with that, too, where he's, like, fucking flying, like, in the sky. So that's, like, a nice little thing to think about. And um, I think that one was pretty interesting. So um, just kind of going with that. And I like the idea of not it just being, like, an art Mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. and like having a really fluid definition of art as more of like a craft type thing and mm-hmm. like anything that takes practice and execution and um and those can even have like loose definitions yeah. right yeah um but so yeah anyway like that's kind of stuff that I'm interested in talking about so if you wanted to we could talk about like what you've been doing or why you've do what you do. Um, like, I could introduce you, first of all, probably. <laughs> if you want to. Tyler Murphy. Let's do it. Here we go. Owns and runs Montana Gallery. Yeah. And studio. Technically not and studio anymore. I just haven't taken it off the window yet. But there is a studio up there. There yeah. is a studio. You just don't want that in your name. When I uh, registered the the name, I had to be Ann Studio. And now, five years later, whoever it was that 
had oh. the old Montana Gallery never renewed their name registration, so I swooped in and got it. Oh, oh, so you just wanted that? Just Montana yeah, Gallery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little, a little cleaner, a little sleeker. A little, little cleaner. Yeah, and I, um, the kind of the reason f- for it being called Montana Gallery is that, uh, like, like my friend Daniel and several other friends that I represent aren't from Montana, but we do a lot of trips in Montana, and they have a nice social media following mm. of people from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted to just brand. I wanted to... I love Montana, mm-hmm. obviously, and I think it's a cool word. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so yeah. I might as well like claim the whole state. Sure. As we are promoting ourselves to the whole world. Right. Kind of thing. Well, and that's... I want people to associate this gallery with the whole state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. I, yeah, it's very, uh, I, I don't know what it is. Pretentious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, all, that's, what it's, that's what it's about. Yeah. I think you have to be pretentious on some level if you're trying to get something done. Yeah. Like if you think you see a cliff that you want to climb and you have the audacity to try to climb it, you're kind of pretentious. Mm-hmm. You're like, and other people are like, why would you climb that cliff? And you're like, well, I can climb the cliff. And if you do like one step on the cliff, you're pretentious. I don't know. That's a weird analogy, but. No, yeah. I think there's something to that. Yeah. I mean, it takes like really, Going I mean, to, to, make a a, to make a podcast or to, to put anything out there in yeah. the world. It's like, you know, you, you're going to, and you're going to have people in your life who go, what right do you have? Like, I know, I know who you are really. Mm-hmm. Right. You really, Phil? You think that you have something worth saying? Whew, yeah, you know? that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, and there's just something about saying, like, fuck it. Like, yeah. I don't know if I do, but, like, and I don't care if I do or don't, really. I just want to, like, do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, yeah. that's what I love about, uh, f- you know, f- from what I know of... Uh, your life and especially the stuff with uh, Dry Fest and even, you know, I, I, I love, I love that people do podcasts. Mm. I am, I only listen to a few uh, of my favorite ones, but mm-hmm. right. I think it's just great for people. It's like journaling, mm. you know, and it oh, could, yeah. you got to spend your life in some way. Right. And it's not like you're probably not going to get, rich off of this thing but it's but you need these things in your life that are completely uncommodified mm. in order i don't know just to we just we need something it, it we live now in, in a time where especially me as an artist anywhere that i go i could potentially be working at all times because i could be taking photos that i could one day paint mm-hmm. like i can commodify yeah, yeah, every yeah. minute of my life right. if i want to right and so i appreciate you know, that you walked in here today, sat down, or, you know, just sat down and I, I don't know what this gets me or mm-hmm. what this gets you doing yeah. this little conversation. Yeah. Not much and probably no. in material terms. But to be here right now with mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Like barely sitting in these chairs. <laughs> or like drinking coffee out. and yeah. shooting the shit. I mean, it, we're always like thinking of like oh, my life will be great when I'm on the beach or whatever, you know, in mm. somewhere in the future when I've succeeded in so many ways, but shit, man. I mean, yeah, 
Maybe this is as good as it gets right I here. I feel right like now. I'm in a long. We're kind of treating these like uh, beach <laughs> lounge chairs. Slid out. We need like a little rest for our feet. We, we do. Yeah, if this thing. Coffee table. If this thing was. Yep. If this microphone wasn't in my way. Yeah, yeah, that'll go. But. Um. <laughs> we could beach out. I actually, I think I am gonna go to the beach sometime. I have. To I like that you. I like that you've turned more towards me. Also. Yeah, that's Here. good. Let's see. I think that's important when you're conversing, having a, having a conversation. There. Um. Oh. Okay. So wait. 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 We have to go back. One of my favorite words lately has been. Uh, I love this. This so is much. great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> this is very loungy. Oh man. Uh. One of my favorite words has been discursive. Okay. What does that mean? Um. It kind of means meandering. Okay. Uh, where I always think of like, well, okay, so this thought occurred to me at when I took a trip. I haven't talked about this on, on the podcast, but I took some LSD, like, I'd have to look at my app, but it was w around when I quit drinking. Okay, I heard, I heard that you took LSD and quit drinking. Yeah. I did hear about that. Through the, um, through the network of friends. Yep, yep. It was, I was really excited about it, so I was telling everybody about it. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> all my friends that were, were close or whatever. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Damn it. Oh. Um, I guess it was 48 days ago. Okay. And I've saved $579, just about. Wow. And 28,955 calories. And it's amazing, actually. The calories go up. One calorie, like, every minute, say. Okay. So that was my intake, I guess. Okay. On average. With, which is, like, six pack a day, I think is what I put in here. So okay. it wasn't a heavy habit, but it was, like, it was pretty heavy. I had, like, ten pounds of cans at the end of it that I cleaned out from my house. Uh, I had bags of them. They were just bags, but I okay. had taken them to the recycling center. Yeah. So I finally took them all when I did that, and it was a lot. Um, okay, so wait, yeah. So what, That's what, a whole how, story. How did, that, how, did that, how did that, why did, you were thinking of the word discursive and kind of meandering. Yep, so, it's, so it's that's. Just a good that's, example of meandering. It is a good example of discursiveness. Okay, um, so you just performatively showed me what that was. Yeah, they did that on point. purpose, actually. And <laughs> okay. I actually veered into a whole other story that we could talk about if you want more, but I want to stay on this other track about yeah. what discursiveness is. Okay. Um, I love it when people explain things, or when it's not just lip service to something, but when, it, when things are performative, mm. actually. Oh. Like, so, thanks for that. Where I'm just I'm doing what I say I'm going to do? In, yeah, instead of talking about doing the thing, mm. you just do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I think that's, I'm all about Nike. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, okay, so discursiveness. 
is what I just did, kind of. Yeah. And it, it reminds me. So I've done. I've thought about it a lot when I've done psychedelics because there's something where you notice how thought works and how our brains seem to put things together in like storylines and stuff. Um, and it reminds me of like. So if you've got like a little mole or like um, something underground that's digging around, it'll be like on a main track, say, like kind of a highway that it has. Mm. And then it'll have offshoots off of that. Mm -hmm. And it'll mole and like dig in different directions. Yeah. So this discursive thing is like you have a track. Yes. And you also have like branches off of that track. Yeah. Um, and in my mind, there's this, like, circling motion with it where, like, you've got this main track. I'm tracing a line with my finger, and then I'm going to circle with my finger. And oh, it's like yeah, this. nice. So you stay on the track, and you veer on the track, and then it comes back to the track every time. That's cool. And you can have it, like, go farther out and come back or have little ones or big ones. and But it, like, and it's not necessarily even going anywhere. Like, it's going around and like isn't that actually my roommate was telling me that that's actually when they map the uh path that that the galaxy that the milky way galaxy is flying through the universe that it's actually something like that oh I just is recently that right heard that yeah huh sorry i really like i really like where you're going with yeah all this. yeah okay so i was just gonna take you on a little loop there <laughs> this is gonna get obnoxious oh did you see what i did there with my with my thought Ooh. Did you see? <laughs> more discursion or whatever i don't know if discursion <laughs> let's well we'll try to keep it oh my god okay all right <laughs> um but that motion, that idea of like being on a track or on a trail, right? Yeah, and then yeah. like seeing something off the trail and going to check it out. Yeah. And you may or may not actually end up like deciding to spend a lot of time yeah. that way. Mm -hmm. Like if you see a mountain off the trail, you might spend, like if it's a far away, you might be like, oh shit, I need to climb that mountain. Then you walk over to the base of the mountain, which might take you a day or something or two or three or a week or whatever. And then you climb it, which is a whole other deal. And and then you come back, and if you want to, you can come back to the trail you were on way before, and you can climb back, or you might decide that you want to keep going a different way. Or um, And, of course, you're on, like, a larger trail in a region where you're kind of, like, mm -hmm. going somewhere vaguely, more vaguely. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I've just been thinking about that, and, of course, I'm just, like, all over the place with my thinking most of the time. Like I'm pretty just like here and there. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems distracted, but there's also like a kind of direction or it feels like there's connections that happen yeah. that make me feel like I'm on some kind of track, yeah. even if it's like obscure. Um, Do you think you can put words to... Uh, what that what that track is for you like uh you know all of the different things that you do with your life uh you know this podcast drive fest all that kind of stuff does it fit under one umbrella 
and or you know what is is are all of those things different offshoots but then the main the main mole tunnel or whatever what is that what's the main mole tunnel confusion <laughs> no i don't know i think it's just it's a lot of impulse really mm -hmm. like and i've kind of tried to structure my life so i have space to be impulsive and like yeah yeah um so it's not like rational yeah per se i guess i don't know yeah yeah i don't think there's like a clear path for me yet i think i'm still poking poking yeah. around but um anyway so discursion so, like, going way back, here's another little thing. Do you have another th a thought about this? Oh, I, I was just thinking, I, w I just wonder if there is something there. It's just that it's hard to ever articulate what that is, but, but maybe a person does kind of have this thing that they're aiming towards all the time. I mean, what, but also, though, your idea of that it's always that the path itself isn't like a straight, true path. We good? I'm running low on battery. Hold on. Oh, I didn't pop the dip. Am I smart? No, I'm not smart. Damn. Are those double A's or yeah. what are they? Do you have one? Uh, let me see. Well, Tyler, you just need another microphone for this, right? Or yeah, I, that's what I need. And then, and then, then you have one system that would make it all a lot easier, right? It would be very nice. Yeah. Um, I should probably just go ahead and do that. At some point. I mean, soon. It's kind of like. If you're doing this. Yeah. How much would it cost? Hundred bucks. For yeah. a cable and a mic. Yeah. Or maybe a little more. But yeah, it's nice to have things simpler. Okay, but I want to go back. So we were talking, we were talking about discursiveness, and then we started talking about, I don't know if we start, if we, it was recording for you. Yeah. Because my unit, recording unit died on Tyler's end. So I was just talking to myself. Also, you record. forgot to push record. <laughs> I forgot to push record, too. <laughs> But it ran out of batteries, so we got batteries from a TV remote and put them in there. Yeah. And then turned it on, but failed to push record. So 15 minutes of our life gone. Okay. I, from, from, what, from what I heard where you were playing back, whatever I had last said, I had asked you about the mole tunnel that you're yes. in. What's your main mole tunnel thing? And then, and then I think... The 15 minutes that we didn't record, I kind of talked about my mold. Oh, my that's mold sad. Time. Is that right? I think so. Because then, then we started talking about marks because of that. Yes. So let's see if we can recap that. Okay. That was a nice direction. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. Because it really, the, the, it is what I'm bringing to a lot of conversation and a lot of what I'm about these days is, I think I had asked, hopefully this is 
making it will make sense with whatever was previously recorded. Yeah. I think I had asked you, is there some kind of like an umbrella that everything that you're doing fits under? Right. And and is so that's the way I think of you've kind of used this analogy of the mole tunnel, which I like. Um, I've thought of it in my life as this umbrella where all the various things that I do uh, fit underneath it. Somehow, play Somehow. together. Yeah, and they're all kind of moving moving together toward this aim. The aim being help make the world feel a little less lonely. Right. So under that umbrella, I feel like uh, the different things that I'm doing, like story night uh, or the podcast that I do or... Uh, painting pa paintings is so this is paintings is a is more of a mental gymnastics to feel as though oh yeah uh i'm a comp or i'm moving towards that aim right whereas with story night i can sense it right right then and there at at story night i yeah. can feel like yeah this really this really is Doing helpful something. helpful to people yeah and and making a, a difference in the lives of all of us who are here listening and and especially for those of us who get up and and share oh so story night let's just talk about that so i forget i don't know if this was lost i think it probably was um so you are tyler murphy a painter you own montana gallery and run it here in Billings, Montana. And as part of running Montana Gallery, you have a story night once a month now, right? Pretty mm -hmm. regularly. And it's uh, become like a thing, like where there's a steady following. Like when I was here last, there's like 40 people here or some shit. Yeah. Um, story nights, can you describe that? Um, I also want to have maybe story night as a part of Dry Fest somehow. Oh, cool. Yeah. Just as like, a little activity on the side kind of thing and mm -hmm. like um anyway but yeah let's talk about it okay um so uh my friend claire overholt uh has come along side uh with story night as well and so she also helps run story night and that's mm -hmm. been huge uh to that's given it some structure she's helped make sure hey if we really care about this thing let's if we really care about this thing let's uh you know, let's commit to doing it once a month. Mm. And um, so she helps. I, I introduce the night, and she then kind of takes over as the host of the night, which is uh, really helpful for me because then I can just sit back and mm -hmm. enjoy the night and make sure everybody's having a good time, get everybody some wine, right? and kind of dip in and out, paying attention-wise to what people are saying. Um, but I... Okay, so story night, though really stems from going to an AA meeting. Yeah. Um, and this is what I say every time at the beginning is I went to an AA meeting and I was just really impressed. Oh, shit. I'm getting a parking ticket right now. Should How I try to run out there? Sure. This is, this is the greatest podcast ever. I love it. Where's my keys, though? Stick it to the man. Okay, I'll give you a 
play-by-play. Oh, he's talking to talking to good old Bruce. It never. I don't think he's going to talk his way out of this. Bruce is quite the stickler. Although he's smiling. He's smiling. Oh, Phil is turning, looking a little dejected. Oh, he was just handed the parking ticket. Yeah. Didn't work. Oh, Phil's sticking it under there. Sticking it under the windshield wiper. Yeah, just so you know, he will come back and continue giving you parking tickets. He gave me three in one day. Oh. Yeah, I I blew through all of my warnings all in one day. Oh, how many do you get? Three? You, you get like two, and then, then it goes like 10. It's like 10, 10, 20, 30. So it was like... 70 bucks oh. all in one day. Oh, God. And and yeah, and I ran out. I don't have any more warnings anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've got a warning left. Oh, do you? Well, that's good. Well, I don't know. He gave me a warning. So does that mean that I only have one warning? Or I'm Did you put any money in there? I think he will come back around and give you another one. Or, he, or he'll give you a ticket this next time. Okay. If you, uh, if you don't put money in that. Same guy, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know his name. I actually probably shouldn't have. I was commentating using his name. <laughs> you might want to blur that out or something. Did you use his out. full name? No. No, just his first. I think we can leave it. All right. Hey, sir, if you're ever listening to this, just know that <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I. Somebody's got to do like a job, how, man. Yeah, I don't like how... Uh, you gave me parking tickets, mm. but go ahead and keep giving everybody else parking tickets. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we, uh, this is really something else, man. I think this is just how they're going to be sometimes. Like, Yeah. Chunks of them. Okay, so I was talking about story night. Yeah. It's, it's like an AA meeting, except it's not court-ordered, and we can drink. AA meetings are not necessarily court-ordered. Not always. Yeah. Um, but it's very open. It's very open. The thing that I loved about the, the AA meetings that I've gone to is that it's, yeah, it's kind of the, it's a space where people who are struggling with something in life can have the opportunity to talk about that in front of a room full of people. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's actually what church should be. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it is, Mm -hmm. but it's a space where you feel as though you can be completely open and honest with people about the struggles and your shortcomings in life mm-hmm. without fear of condemnation. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is what actually grace, mm. true grace is. Yep. It's feeling that it's being accepted and actually being able to accept that you're accepted. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that there's a lot of spaces in this world that are actually that. Right. You, yeah, man. You might really... actually experience that, maybe not at church, but maybe at the bar. Hmm. You know that kind of that community, right? Where you can be completely open and honest about what what you're going through in life. Yeah, and I think we all need that. That's somewhere. beautiful and sad. Why is it sad? Um, well, it's sad to me that like. And, and beautiful that the bar is the place where people mm-hmm. are open. 
Mm -hmm. um, I spent Christmas at the bar with my friends. With, with me. With, were you there? Uh, Thanksgiving or something. Maybe it wasn't Christmas. Maybe this was. Maybe you it just was. Spend, you just spend all your holidays at the bar. <laughs> well, I was there before I quit drinking. Yeah. But looking back at that now, at least where I was at, it's, it was like I was there with my friends, so it wasn't sad. Like yeah. I wasn't alone drinking at the bar. But it was still like looking at the bar. And like I wasn't judging those people because I was one of those people and am one of, the, one of those people. And um, I still go to bars, so I don't really have anything. Even though I'm not drinking, I don't have a problem with them per se. I think our culture has a big problem with booze. And I think we use it to numb feelings. I think more often than not, when people go to the bar, yes, they open up and they get, they get sensitive, or at least like our group does maybe. But I think a lot of people just get like, are wound up with a lot of shitty feelings and thoughts and that's where they can like be open. But mm -hmm. it's like just part of a larger toxic cycle where yeah. they're like not talking about things they really need to talk about. Yeah. And they're drinking instead and like talking about whatever else yeah but so it's sad and beautiful that we have that's like one of the places right and it's sad that the church where the place that's supposed to be like where grace is yeah. is not where grace is yeah and and this is what i like about i think some communities are are doing a good job of not only paying lip service to this idea of being uh, open and honest and that everybody actually and that everybody everybody's voice and presence is welcomed mm -hmm. and celebrated but they're not just paying lip service to that but they're performatively um, creating that space mm -hmm. by actually letting somebody other than the pastor get up there mm. and talk because to me it's not about there's some yes we need people who are able to to teach well and that know their know their stuff and and we we need places where we can listen to somebody who who's really studied and has something to to teach the group but there's a whole nother thing that happens when when people from the community are asked to participate in mm -hmm. that way mm -hmm. of what you know what are you going through in life what have you what have you learned this week what books are you reading what mm -hmm. you know that's why i like things like a podcast mm -hmm. that's why i think it's great that you're doing this mm. with with your friends and mm -hmm. i think everybody really should mm. consider that because yeah yeah we right. all tr i mean truly we all do have um something that we could potentially be giving to the world whether anybody listens to it or not mm. it's good for ourselves mm. to push ourselves in in some way right to have something to say. That's why I tried to push myself to give a little artist talk last night at yeah. this portal thing. Right. I don't know that anybody, I don't feel like I gave a very particularly great talk, mm -hmm. but I like that it, for the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that kind of makes my life a little richer in some way. Mm. With some direction mm -hmm. and purpose. Yeah, I think um, there's something about trying to hold space for openness and vulnerability um, and how we're not supposed to do that as men in particular. 
Like, men are supposed to be all tough and shit. And, um, like, just talking about any of your feelings can be really scary, like, on an open platform like that. Like, even, like, what you did, right? If it wasn't, like, a big, big event where you had, like, a giant audience that you were worried about, like, impressing or something with your talk. It was just, like, a little tryout, like... Yeah, I want to make a point of like doing this and like it might not be great, but I'll like give it a try. Like that mm -hmm. takes a lot of vulnerability. And the weird thing that I've been thinking about is like the extent to which we get strength from being vulnerable. Like Yeah. And it some it takes a long time, right? And like you probably get beat up a lot before you get to be good at like giving a like good talk every time yeah where you like have done a lot of shitty talks and put yourself in the position of like taking a shit in front of people like mm -hmm. and not feeling sorry i'm rubbing my belly again <laughs> um apparently now, I, now it's while you're talking now it's while i'm just trying to stimulate well, my body i think that we cut out for i don't think that that part is was left it i was started talking about marks and, and that's when you started rubbing oh, your, i started like, circular rubbing around your belly button. The rim of my belly button. Yeah. I just mentioned Karl Marx and Phil just, his hand just goes right to his belly button. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tell me more about alienation. Worker alienation. So we are talking about alienation, loneliness. Let's see. I don't want to veer too far, but I feel like we're kind of circling a little bit mm -hmm, back mm -hmm. where we were. Um, being vulnerable, being strength. Yeah, and then like willing to be hurt mm -hmm. to allow yourself to be hurt uh, over and over again yeah in some ways seems yeah. to be important and then despite the fact that you are probably going to get hurt continuing to remain open and trying things yeah seems really important this seems i i'm not real familiar with Nietzsche, but I mm. want to. Uh, I've, I've started reading a little bit of uh, Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, his idea of the Ubermensch, mm -hmm. and th the way that I maybe have summed it up in my head uh, is that, you know, there's, like, the opposite of the Ubermensch would be the person who uh, good things happen to them, and they just always are able to turn it and make it into a negative uh, mm. And and they see. I think one of the things he says is like they see the dust in every corner of the house. Mm. Like they just only see the bad parts of life, and they mm. choose to amplify that. Yeah. But the, to me, the opposite of that would be the Ubermensch who doesn't deny the hard stuff of life, but is able to take take in the hard stuff of life, mm -hmm. affirm it, and maybe even be able to laugh about it. Mm -hmm. uh, so in some sense, he takes all of the hard hardships their your own personal shortcomings and or his own personal shortcomings mm -hmm. uh his sufferings and turns it into a into something positive but it's beyond good too though is it well that's in the title that just occurred to me yeah right like because that was always one of my favorite aspects of that line of thought too it's like you can take anything gnarly that happens in your life for about another person or about you or a situation or whatever and you could be like well fuck that like 
I could figure out how to make this into a machine for me of sorts, like something that I can turn to not as like a, that it, so that it's not just a wound, but it becomes like a fountain yeah. or something. Yeah. But, and I think that is true, right? Like there's, but it's called beyond good and evil. And so part of that is like a rejection of the idea of good too, right? Like a lot, something that's exciting is a rejection of bad because that means that we can rethink stuff that we thought was just bad. Mm. But like, we also have to rethink things that we think are good too. Like, if you think that Nietzsche, and I don't want to speak for Nietzsche, and I haven't read Nietzsche for a long time, but yeah, I don't think that he would necessarily say somebody who is able to turn everything into um, an engine for them is like necessarily his version of an ubermensch. Mm. I think he would say that, like, if that person is just lucky and shit turns out well for them, and, like, I'm, I'm tempted to say that, like, if everything is going really well for, like, a businessman and he thinks that, like, he's on the right track and he's, like, beyond bad, like, he can turn anything into something that will, like, serve him, then... There's something wrong with that, too. Like, I don't think Nietzsche would be comfortable saying that his thing means that you can be, like, that Elon Musk is a great example of an ubermensch, for example. Even though he might be. Like, I think yeah. Musk is a genius, and Nietzsche was all about, like, our culture, like, the purpose of our culture now being to produce geniuses, uh -huh. essentially. Um, but I don't know, I feel like there's something about the business thing that doesn't fit. Like, and it's something that I think a lot about with capitalism is that like, there's a tendency of capitalism to take anything outside of it and somehow turn it into something that it can sell or commodify. Mm -hmm. Like, That's the process of commodification, essentially, where you take something outside the marketplace and put it in the marketplace and assign marketplace values to it and stuff. Um, so I don't think that that's something, like, optimization isn't what we're talking about. Like, mm -hmm. Nietzsche wouldn't be about optimization. Right. And because part of that, I think, is, like, this Schopenhauerian idea of blind will, um, where, like, there's no real direction. There's just sort of this, like, furious, like, mm. it's kind of what we're talking about with the mole tunnel. Like, there's not really a direction. It's not, like, upward, like a flower yeah. or, like, a mountain where it's growing, like, toward the sky, like yeah. that it has a direction. It's more just like going. Like Deleuze is another thinker that has, and again, I don't know much about him, but like based on what I remember from classes and stuff, his idea was of like a, um, oh, it's a word for a root. Like if you ever see a ginger root, it's got like a line, you know, to it, but and it's got branches off that line, but also there are other roots that are more just like non-directional, like they just shoot off in every directional. Okay. Um, oh. But anyway, yeah, I, so beyond good and evil, that idea of like being beyond good hadn't never struck me before, but I think it seems important. Is there anything you can grab onto with that or not? Um. Well, let's see. I'm just trying to also think about. Well, I think the reason I brought that all up, yes, too, is 
with something like AA or something like Story Night, I think there's a there's a strength that comes from being able to take in and be really honest about the like yeah, this is something I'm struggling with in life. I I am an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And and you kind of start there. That that's what I see, you know, that happens sometimes at story night. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to use it for with myself to mm-hmm. to really say like I don't have my life figured out. Mm-hmm. I I struggle with uh, you know, I beat myself up over being lazy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I struggle with money a lot of times mm-hmm. and I know that externally I project an image that I've got everything put together, mm-hmm. but I want to be the first to say, look, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, but I don't get caught up in that negativity. It's just like that in being open and honest about that, I find some strength mm. in it. Um, I wonder if part of that is just has to do with like an honesty about like if you can recognize yourself even within a small community of a room of people, even if that's like five or ten people probably. Yeah. Um, if you acknowledge something and speak it, yeah, then you like have more power just to like acknowledge where you are. Yeah. And then you're more empowered to take steps, meaningful steps, somewhere else. Yeah. Which is something like that, that you can't do, right? You can't just go somewhere. Like, you have to know where you are first. Mm-hmm. And in order to know where you are, sometimes, often, it seems like you have to admit that you're in a fucked up place. Like, you don't know where you're at. There's, like, where you're at. There's, like, craggy cliffs around and, like, dark woods and shit. I always think in, like, I've been thinking in terms of, of adventures and trails and, like, hiking and shit and the danger in that. Or, like... Yeah. How a lot of us, I think we're, we live lives that are way more dangerous than we realize. Like, mm-hmm. even getting into a car and driving yeah. around, we should maybe view more as, like, traversing a cliff or, like, crossing a fast river or Absolutely. something. Absolutely. And, and I think uh, there are moments where, it, where all of a sudden, some, like, shit hits the fan in a way. And you're kind of jolted back into remembering, oh, yeah, I live in a universe that can kill me at any moment. Right. Um, and, but we, we, do, we do forget that all the time. But uh, that's, right, that's a very, like, existentialist position to mm-hmm. remember. So basically, you know, we're always searching for meaning, and the world is, is indifferent to that. Mm-hmm. Like we're always trying to make sense of why. And maybe that's what beyond good and evil is. Mm. Why? <laughs> like, why? Why does this happen? Mm. Uh, why? Why is there good? Why is there evil? Mm-hmm. Mm, no, it's just that. <laughs> and mm. like I recently, uh, over Christmas, I saw my brother fall through a window. A friend. Uh, my brother was had quite a few drinks, and we started walking into this <laughs> bowling alley oh, no. up in Red Lodge. <laughs> and uh, our friend Seth, who's this great big guy, mm-hmm. kind of just Brett and Seth were trying to walk through the door at the same time. And uh, Brett, every, we were all kind of giving Brett shit the whole night. And uh, so Brett kind of checks Seth 
into the door as they're both walking through it kind of the same time. And Seth just is like, get off me, and gives him a little shove. And Brett takes like a five step, like three second fall, and then hits this big six foot by eight foot window. And it all starts to crack. This is in the vestibule going in, you know? And uh, the three of us are like standing there like, oh my God, like watching this huge pane of glass start cracking. And I take like one step towards him to try to help lift him away from it because uh, he's kind of slumped against the bottom of the window and there was like a, like a two foot tall wall before the window started. So he's kind of slumped half against the wall and the window. And then as I take a step towards him, this huge shard of glass swings down in between us. And then the whole, and like, so it's just like, holy shit, if I would have taken a step forward a little too soon, like I probably would have been fine, but who knows? Mm -hmm. And then the whole window just breaks out and spills all across, Dang. across the vestibule. And we're just like, oh my God, like, okay, like, what do we do? And anyways, Brett's the best of all of us. He He's like, you know, the three of us are like, well, I don't think there's any cameras. Like, we could probably just, we could probably just leave, get out of here, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, Brett's like, no, we got to, we got to tell him. He walks in and fesses up to it all. And it all ends up being fine. But then later that night, well, some other stuff happened. But <laughs> some other funny stuff happened. But he, uh, the whole next day, I was kind of horrified it, it was, the, it's like the most hilarious thing I've ever seen and also kind of horrifying hmm. because it's like, oh hmm. shit, I could have, he could have fallen all the way through that hmm. and bled out right in front of me, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. it, and that kind of stuff happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But, but I, that for me was a existential uh, awakening of, oh yeah, you can, you could witness horrific shit at right. any moment. And uh, I forget that. And there's no, it's not like there was any meaning behind that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think especially people, I, we, I have a friend who passed away that was like 21 or 22. And he was just walking out uh, behind his parents' house on the river, slipped on a rock, hit his head and drowned in just a couple feet of water. And, you know, to me, if somebody comes along and tries to add meaning to that and tries to say, oh, yeah, it was God's, God's will or whatever, especially, like, right, right after that kind of stuff happens, it's like, no, ju just don't. You can't, you can't put meaning on this. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's an absurd. We live in an absurd universe. Absurd and dangerous. Yeah. We, we live in something that resists meaning. But there's still meaning within that, like for you, right? With like the example when, of when the I, window or something. When like, I say resist meaning, I mean it resists us being able to make sense of why it happened. Yeah, right. But sorry. Um, Maybe. Yeah, that's... I mean, you can go ahead and do it, mm -hmm. but you're just never going to get... A f for sure answer that that sums it up that everybody's satisfied with. Right. 
Um, I think that idea of danger, that's like one of my favorite things because then it, it does something with fear where like if you're already like always already in a dangerous position, like just by driving your car or like walking across the street, like then it frees you up to do stuff that's just a little bit more dangerous. Like, for example, if you come to story night and like you're somebody who's terrified of public speaking, like I'm actually, even though I'm a performer, like I'm kind of terrified of performing, like uh -huh. even speaking, yeah. like coming and telling a story at story night is kind of like, makes me feel like I want to die a little bit. <laughs> and same with like playing the bass or like whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's like a thing about just like going up on top of the high dive and like looking down being like, oh fuck. And then just being like, okay, bye. And then just jumping and not thinking. Um, or I have like rituals that I do to like get in the mode so I don't have to think. And then I just end up at the place. Sure. But this thing about like how dangerous your car is, is like if you're terrified of public speaking and that seems really, really dangerous to you, but then you zoom out and you recognize that your life is already dangerous and that like on some level, you're lucky to have arrived at story night in your car without like right. sliding, oh, that's a into, good, I like that. sliding into another car in the ice or like somebody else hitting you, then like you did the hard part already. Like you rode, you already like crossed the fjord or fjorded yeah. the river or whatever the fuck. Like you're already there. All you have to do is like show up and do the thing. So if I'm yeah. gigging and like say if it's in Bozeman or something, there's a real aspect of that, like, oh, well, we're lucky to have fucking gotten here. Like, now all yeah. we have to do is play. Like, cool. I, I really like that a lot. And that's also, I mean, that's happening to us all the time. We're on a planet that's basically mm. a spaceship that's flying through a solar system that's spinning through a galaxy that's flying headlong through a universe that's never been in the same place twice. Yeah, like, well, and it's crumbling all around us as we poison it and everything, too. It's on fire. Sure. California and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's getting more dangerous. People are getting crazier and poorer and more desperate and stuff, I think. I get really interested in... Uh, Serial Killers. There's a podcast I like called The Last Podcast on the Left. I just got into it, but I've been obsessed. And They talk about cults, which is like kind of a version of serial killers, like where the cult leader is a serial killer and mm -hmm. organizes a whole cult around him. To, um, but part of what that does is like emphasize how dangerous other people are. And like, you know, serial killers end up being talked about as like predators, like they're hunting and like their hunting grounds are like regular places for us, like sure. restaurants or like a street where a girl walks home from school and yeah. like, a guy sees her walking and then all of a sudden. So I don't know. I end up getting into like dark shit because I think it ends up making the world brighter for me yeah. in a fucked yeah. up way. Yeah. It's like <laughs> a reverse thing. Yeah. But um, that, yeah. I think that's kind of the idea also from in some ways like you know you don't deny the darkness of life yeah. you go further into it right that and that's that's to me what a com a comedian does or mm. or what a good singer songwriter does mm -hmm. like you know parker's song in my talk last night i used i don't know if you were here for that part I, but not i just kind of talked about how um one of parker's songs one of the main points that i wanted to make is that um 
Well, one, that art to me is a place where we can hold important truths because uh, like we forget things all the time. So we, mm. might, we might read and have some great insight uh, from reading Nietzsche or something. Mm -hmm. but the, well, the, Nietzsche's book itself maybe holds, holds the insight for us, mm -hmm. but maybe you can, you know, you find something, some concept of his that really means something to you and you get it, something that symbolizes that tattooed onto your body mm -hmm. or, or I try to put it into a painting mm -hmm. or a songwriter tries to put it into a song. Right. So one of the ideas that matters a lot to me is, is to just be open and honest about the fact that we're all messed up and to not forget that because sometimes we can feel like I'm the only one that's struggling with these things, mm -hmm. but a good song, which I would say like, uh, just the opening lyric of, uh, Parker's hold on Sam song. I appreciate it because he just says, I submit the evidence to the courts. I ain't even showing up at all. Mm -hmm. Would they even let me walk if they knew just what they saw? Which to me is like saying, look, there's a lot more to me that you guys don't see. That if you knew everything, uh, you would be fucked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's important to, that to me, like we need, we need songs, we need spaces, we need art that helps to remind us that, uh, that gives us a chance to be vulnerable, but that reminds us that everybody's messed up. Mm -hmm. Nobody's, nobody's perfect. Nobody's got it completely figured out. Right. I've been thinking a lot about, well, so in the last six months, I've had a lot happen, right? Like got divorced and, um, had a drinking problem and kicked a drinking problem. And like, um, I've been thinking a lot about trauma and, like how traumatic our world is inherently. Mm. Um, you kind of see where my mind goes, like just thinking about like how dangerous or traumatic like our regular world is. Um, but I think part of that is like how we think of structures and like like family structures, like basic aspects of our upbringing and stuff where humans are like really vulnerable is when like a lot of people experience trauma. Yeah. Um, at least trauma that lasts, right? It kind of gets into the psyche and, like, perpetuates itself. Um. Yeah, I think I think that there's a, a lot to that. And that I've been pretty interested in studying, mm. uh, like, psychology, especially mm -hmm. um, what it has to say about uh, early childhood mm -hmm. development. Yeah. So. Well, so from that perspective, right, and speaking of how everybody's fucked up, like, I've just been noticing, like, how much trauma I have carrying around that I don't recognize or didn't recognize for a long time. Yeah. Um, and, like, how I'm, I feel like I see how other people have that now, too. Or, mm -hmm. you know, and then you hear about all the Me Too stuff with, like, how prevalent, like, male on female violence is and like so literally like one in three females is has some kind of trauma from yeah. like a sexual experience with a man mm -hmm. a violent one mm -hmm. um so in that sense like yes there are like walking trauma cases like all over the place as far as women go and like god knows for men there's like whatever else happening that men do to each other and dads do to sons and um 
So I've been thinking about like how apt the zombie metaphor is, like the zombie story where like you could also you could do like the consumerist like zombie thing or you could do like a zombie thing. One of the things I had that became important to me as an image was like the idea of being wounded and like kind of pussy and shit and like <laughs> how that resembles like zombies, okay. like how zombies are just like yeah, yeah. and like are dead right yeah. like they don't experience things because they're not alive and i don't know it's, it seems like helpful to think about mm -hmm. the world that way like if you think about have everybody's dealing with some kind of trauma and of course there are different traumas right like uh some people are luckier than others and have yeah. less trauma in some ways um but if you look at people that way you have like a respect for them mm -hmm. or like a patience that you wouldn't have otherwise where it's like oh shit but that also takes you recognizing and being vulnerable that you're hurt too and yeah. that like you would like to be given the same amount of patience yeah so in doing that then you have strength to be patient with other people and be like oh okay i don't know what happened to this person like today or 20 years ago or whatever that might have made them like this but like i will try to meet them where they are and um, I don't know. That seems valuable, and it's dark, but it like there's a really dark aspect of that. But then it also ends up serving something. I think that's really nice, and like I think so too. Engenders like patience and love and mm -hmm. lightness, kind of. Yeah, I think you can either like deny that the darkness is there, or, or and, and repress it, mm -hmm. or, or deny it, um, or you can you can bring it into the light of day and that's one one of the uh, insights like within psychoanalysis is that our the uh, that our errors in life uh, I think Lacan says hmm. it like our 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 Freudian slips our eruptions our lie times where we lie it's as if the lie grabs truth by the scruff of the neck and pre holds it out, presents it there. But a lot of times we don't hmm. even see it. Mm. But it tell, it's somebody, somebody lying about something tells you more about them than the truth. Mm. You know. Or their lies. It tells you, oh, they're covering over something. There's more here right. that is not... that they're trying for me to not know mm -hmm. or that they haven't come to grips with right. in some way. Or there's like a level of complexity that you could add to it where like if somebody lies about it, one thing, it indicates like a whole other, like there are layers of lies yeah. kind of like that's something that I'm interested in is like the fantasies or fictions or lies that we tell ourselves yeah. in order to like keep ourselves going. And I think they're important, like having a life story that you've put together for yourself that is basically your ego or whatever mm -hmm. that says, I am like this, like when I interact with this type of person, I'm more likely to do this type of thing. And I think we need that to hang our hat on. Mm -hmm. But also we can get like up our asses with that sort of thing where like a lie that passes and helps us get through the world can eventually get out of hand. Mm -hmm. And like if you think of yourself as like a funny person, 
or you have reason to believe that you're a funny person because somebody started laughing at you after you said a joke, then you might go on and get confidence and try more jokes yeah. and become funnier, but then you might also go off the rails and think that like everything that you say is funny. Yeah. And then all of a sudden. Yeah, I think uh, like overcommitment to any given identity or any given thing that helps to cover over the antagonism of life becomes problematic. Mm. Right, it gets overblown. Yeah, and that kind of leads into what Sartre calls bad faith. Mm. Nice. Where you, mm. you believe, oh yes, this is who I truly am. Mm. Um, I like the idea that like we we're constantly putting like we are kind of this empty nothingness around which we put different identities. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, like at our core, we're just an empty, clear thing. Yeah. Or that that at our I, I I'm talking beyond my pay grade. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, that uh, at our core, there's like an ontological uh, angst. Mm. Um, there's there's an ontological anxiety, which is a lot what this book, Courage to Be, is about, mm. and how we are constantly trying to change anxiety, which is the fear of nothing, into a fear, which is the fear which fear has, so they say anxiety has, is without object, but fear has an object mm. to which you can point to mm. and say, oh, this is why I'm feeling this unrest in myself. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you get scapegoating mm -hmm. and uh, because, it, because, because we are meaning seeking creatures. It objectifies anxiety or gives anxiety an object. Yeah, and to which fear. you can blame yeah. something right. and go, that's why. Right. You can make sense of the world. Mm. But, so we have to, I think we have to realize that's our tendency to do that all the time. And, mm. and we're all going to fall back into that, mm. into doing that over and over again. But if we, if we do that and don't question, uh, don't question uh, whatever we blame or whatever we latch on to over, over, commit to, mm. then I would say we're falling into what Sartre calls bad mm -hmm. faith. Bad faith is based on uh, the idea that you're being disingenuous mm -hmm. on some level, or dishonest, right? Mm -hmm. About the world, or what you want, or something, or where you are, or I guess I'm having trouble remembering what, what all bad faith was about. I think, um, I think, yeah, part of it is knowing that there's holes and cracks within how you look at the world and how you make sense of the world, but deciding to not look at those things, mm. deciding I'm going to go further into my fundamentalism mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to keep on reading things that echo back to me what I already believe mm -hmm. and I'm going to put around me other people who 
echo back these things mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So and I think this is what Nietzsche says also about like intelligence is like, or like the a lion consumes a lamb or mm. the, something like that. But basically it's that if I, with when I encounter somebody that is other, I try to consume them mm -hmm. and make them into something that I can make sense of. Yes bring them into my community, get them to say and do my uh, traditions. Mm -hmm. If they don't, then I have, then I will uh, vomit them out mm. and, and push them aside, turn them into an enemy. Mm -hmm. the, I think the art is figuring out how can I stay in conversation, stay in proximity with this person without, without being like the agent in the matrix that sticks their hand into them and tries to make them in, into themselves. Mm, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really nice. That's something that I think a lot about is like how we learn things or like how we do new things. Like part of doing new things is like going into the unknown and like thinking about how we interact with the unknown is always really interesting to me. And I end up often just thinking about like how I myself and I also see other people like just reconstructing whatever they come in contact with based on things that are already in place in my mind or in or in the other in a, a given person's mind. Mm. Like, and it's a like Leibniz has his idea of monads. And I only know this just based on like my 101 stuff in school, okay. um, based on like the overview of like the big guys in philosophy. But Leibniz had an idea of monads where we're all just, and he had a whole ontological or ontology behind it about how the world is constructed and how we interact with the world. But basically it's like each of us contains the universe inside of us and then we project it and mm. then take it in but the problem with Leibniz's description of the world is that there's no if I remember right there's no like interaction like you're projecting your view of the world and it, it's happening all to you but it's all self-contained and I'm doing my thing too but there's yeah. no like real interaction between them like he doesn't explain that okay so that's problematic I guess I can kind of see that. Oh, oh go ahead What's but the my point is that like I think that that's just an interesting picture to use for how people look at the world and interact with the world usually is that we have a framework that usually works that helps us understand things and we can put, we have a box for everything or a label for everything. And then if we come across something we don't know, we're just like, hmm, it kind of fits in this box and it kind of fits in this box. Like, I don't know, am I gonna have to come up with a new box? Or like, what do I do? Like, yeah, it'll be fine, just cram it in that one. Like, that'll be good. And I think that's usually what most people do, is they just have, have unclear boxes about, yeah. and unclear categories even, right? Where like, part of what the trouble is is that their framework is just shitty. <laughs> like, sure. And I think a lot of times what we do is we uh, basically turn God into a deus ex machina. Mm. So that's like the idea of God of the gaps. So the things, mm -hmm. I, I'm thinking a lot of times when you don't know where to put something, yeah. you put it in the box that's deus ex machina. Mm. That's 
we can't know this stuff because mm. because we live in a universe made by uh, made by a god that, mm-hmm. that and who are we to know the mind of god mm-hmm. um, and i don't know maybe <laughs> that might be the case mm-hmm. but i think that we shouldn't be too quick to resort to a deus ex machina mm-hmm. to the to the god of the gaps mm. that's interesting yeah i hadn't really thought about how like that work would work cognitively with like people being unable to see new things or take in new things just because they have done they have a whole backlog of work that they haven't done to like sort out how they have thought about things before that mm-hmm. um Like, if you just, right, if you, faith, it's easy to pick on, like, a dumb Christian picture of the world where it's, like, instead of thinking about difficult questions, we just leave them to God, say, and just be like, oh, well, when did the universe start? And that's one that I, I'm not on board with the Big Bang, per se. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's a decent scientific explanation, maybe, but it still seems like a head-scratcher head to me. I find it annoying in some sense that, like, people always resort to it's because of evolution that things are this way. And that's a great like, point. It becomes just another form of that, right? Yeah. Like it's just a box, a box that you can toss things in and be yeah. like, Oh, I don't, I could like, like, we, for example, I have trouble picking up my house, right? Like with my clothes, like I do laundry and there's just like fucking laundry all over my floor. Yeah. And part of the failure is that I'm not just like willing to take the second to like, be like, Hmm, maybe I should have a sock drawer. Like, put it in the sock drawer and then like all of a sudden the socks have a place but instead I'd rather just be like ah let's just toss it in there like I don't need to fold it I'm gonna wear it soon anyway like yeah but then it becomes a whole deal where there's a big pile of clothes on the floor and like you don't have room for new clothes because you don't have anywhere to put them or Mm -hmm. whatever that's kind of a shitty analogy but you were saying I'm sorry oh no (laughs) that's uh, well no you were you were saying let's not pick on faith I was just thinking but yes, evolution, scientism, yeah, that works yeah. as like a a, bo- a big box that you toss things into. Yeah, and and that's like uh, what I like as a definition of ideology mm-hmm. is whatever you use to cover over mm-hmm. the problems of life. Mm-hmm. However you make however you make sense of the world, mm-hmm. any excuse will do. Mm-hmm. That's the any excuse will do. I just link in this all just now, but I have a friend who is married and he and his wife have this saying of just any excuse will do. And I, as I've reflected on that kind of over the years, I, I like that. It's just mm. like, yeah, you know, whatever, whatever you got to do. Whatever mm-hmm. you gotta say. Mm-hmm. There are places where we will just like build a, a block and say like, eh, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, well, we've got enough stuff here. I should try to get like an hour. We've got more than that, so. Cool, man. Um, Do you want to plug anything? Story night we kind of talked about. Yeah. At yeah. at Montana Gallery on Instagram. <laughs> MontanaGallery.com. Dot net. Dot yeah. net. I should have bought the dot com a long time ago when it was two thousand dollars. Now it's like twenty. Mm. Oh wow! So if any anybody listening out there has an extra twenty grand that that just hates the idea of there being a montanagallery.net. No! That hates .nets. Must be changed. Yeah. 
Um, no, yeah, I think I think that's that's great. Thanks, man. Thanks for the chat. Always enjoyable. Yeah. Well, actually, we haven't really, we haven't, we kind of, we kind of always uh, just chat a little bit mm -hmm. when different friends mm -hmm. and you and I get together and it. I think that we're both like, you know what? We we do need to sit down and we need, we need to have to be a mandate. better friends. Yeah. Me and Phil. Yeah. One on ones are important. Yeah. 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 Uh, I appreciate you. Appreciate everything that you do here in Billings. And likewise. Uh, and uh, I hope I I hope that you'll be attending more story nights because I really love hearing your laugh <laughs> in the room. I always am not shy. Yeah. yeah. I like to loosen it up. It helps. It helps a lot. It's definitely, there's a lot of funny shit that happens, and it's nice to just be uh, ready with a laugh. Yeah. I like laughing at, like, when people tell you a hard truth instead yeah. of, like, being like, oh, I'm sorry, to just laugh about yeah, it. Because yeah. really that, to me, is like, it's like the cosmic joke of life. All right. Like, we're always thinking that the world should be different than it is. And it's it's the uh, it's the disconnect between what we expect and what actually happens mm -hmm. that's funny. And because sometimes it's so opposite, or it turns so weird. Laughing is what we do when we encounter something that doesn't fit into our categories. Yeah, right? that's right? cool. It's like if somebody. Like, Mr. Potato Head is, like, one of the first toys we have, and that's because you could put the parts, like, in weird places on the potato, and it's really funny just to have, like, yeah. an eye where a nose is supposed to be. Like, <laughs> ah, that's great. And it is funny, right? Like, you just, and then you take somebody who does, like, really crazy shit, like, a visual artist, like, uh, Salvador Dali. Mm -hmm. Like, some of his shit is, like, funny and terrifying. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Or, you know, Yeah. Humor's good, man. Humor isn't like, I think that's funny. Like a lot of people, I remember some essays in school or some shit or somebody articulating this feeling of being disturbed that they laughed when they're, they were told that their grandma died or something. They're like, I laughed when my mom said my grandma died. And they were like, why, what? would be so dark within me to laugh when my grandma died. And it's like, <laughs> yes, if, if you're like, want to take a dark view of things, you'd be like, I laughed at my grandma dying <laughs> like I'm a horrible person. Or you could be like, oh, I was just confused for a second and I like didn't know how to do it, what to do in response to that. So I just laughed and I don't know, there's this like it's judgmental thing that we do with ourselves a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah. And I think it ends up making things darker than they need to be. I would think the humor in that is just that you've, you, you would expect that you would like cry or something that you mm -hmm. would have, or that you'd have some kind of a feeling in some way. And uh, when I've, when I've, uh, not always, but when, when I've heard that people close to me have passed, it's kind of a, it's not like an immediate reality or sadness or. Yeah. So I could see how like, you know, this, you know that your grandma's going to die. Mm -hmm. And so you, you expect mm. when that, when I'm told that I will cry, mm. but then the reality comes and you don't have it in you to cry. And mm. so that becomes funny. Oh, 
<laughs> oh, this isn't at all what I expected. Mm. Huh. Interesting. Right. <laughs> well, Grandma did it. She kicked it. That's why I think, actually, I mean, it's... I've always kind of thought back in with a little wonder to when when my friend I think that I mentioned earlier passed away at his funeral um, you know incredibly sad somber day and I I got up and uh, somebody had, uh, they they had asked you know will you guys you know share stories of, of Ryan um, now you know your his friends and one guy gets up and starts to, starts to share and it's just really heartbreaking and sad and everything and I, I got up and I just said uh, you know I I know kind of bashfully I know Ryan uh, loved me because it took all my strength to keep him from making out with me on the bus ride home from Gardner. And it kind of got this laugh, like mm -hmm. kind of slight laugh. And I kind of leaned in to say something more. And then I, and then I was, there was something in me that was like, no, that's all you needed to say. And so I just walked away and the whole place erupted. Like <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> and laughter. so, yeah, so many, so many people came up afterwards and were like, thank you for that. Like we <laughs> needed that so much. <laughs> And, you know, I didn't, wasn't, or I, it's not like I was thinking through any of that, but, mm. so I, I look back on that experience and go, why, what, what happened there? Yeah. So, anyways. La laughter and sadness. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. We usually say bye obnoxiously. Bye. Bye. Yeah, louder. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> All right, well, that about does it for this week's episode of the Waste Books Appendices. Um, please tune in to our channel next week. We will be releasing our Waste Books uh, book club podcast about the Argonauts. Um, and we're also in the process of reading Sex at Dawn, if you want to get a jump on that. Um, again, check out Tyler Murphy's stuff at montanagallery.net. I went and checked. That's what it is. Um, he also has a podcast called The Lonely Painter Podcast, which I went ahead and just stole the graphic for. Um, also, music this week is by the band Bust. Um, they're good friends of ours. They're super dope. This track is called Slip Mat off of their album Tape, which is just a tape. Um, and also, which I'm trying to get a hold of to send out in our Patreon. Um, speaking of which, if you like our stuff, check out our Patreon. Uh, also check out waste-division.org. Thank you very much, everyone. Have a good week.